I'm Paul Levinson, and welcome to Light On, Light Through, episode 200. Well, thank you very much, and I've heard from many of you. You've sent me your congratulations. I'll be playing some of them after this review of the first half of Dune, which is what this episode is all about, is finished. Well, the first half of Dune, it's over two and a half hours of almost a six-hour movie. Came up on HBO Max late Thursday evening, East Coast time. It's also in theaters. And one of these self-impressed expert critics ought to proclaim that this movie can't be fully or really appreciated unless you see it on the big screen. Well, maybe my mind is prone to see in cinematic vistas, but you know what? I like the movie just fine on my Mac Airbook. In fact, I thought this first half of a movie was superb, far better than most other complete films, including David Lynch's 1984 brave attempt to make a movie out of Dune, Actually, the only thing I remember about that movie was Sting, who was pretty good. I think he was one of the Harkonnens. Anyway, the new 2021 first half of the movie was true in almost all important respects to the original Frank Herbert novel. Very well acted and staged, with desert scenes that made me thirsty. The Sandworm and the Fremen were especially effective, and all the major characters shined. Well, I guess you can't say that about the Harkonnen, who are nauseating, but that's exactly what they're supposed to be. Now, I've told people over the years who were thinking of starting the Dune book series and asked my opinion. By the way, I first read the novel in the mid-1970s, about 10 years after Frank Herbert's masterpiece was finally published. It was published earlier, some of the material as short stories in Astounding Magazine. But the word is that as many as 25 different publishers turned down the novel. This is an old story, by the way, that I've talked about a lot on this podcast the problem of gatekeepers. Probably the most egregious example are the 25 or so record companies that turned down the Beatles. Oh, yeah, I tell you something. I can't believe that any A&R person, an artist and repertoire person, in a record company couldn't have heard that that was a huge hit. But to get back to Dune, I told these many people who have actually asked me over the years what I thought of the Dune book series, I told them they just need to suspend their judgment for the first third or more of the book, which frankly is dense and often pretty boring. You need to hold out for the tour de force it becomes as the story progresses. That origin of Dune, that template that director Denis Villeneuve had to work with makes his accomplishment all the more impressive. And in addition to the movie narrative, the battle scenes and the music were powerful too. 
Let's get to the uh, acting. Jason Momoa was outstanding. He should talk in his roles in plain English more often. His character, Duncan Idaho, was one of the best characters in the whole Dune series of books, and he has a great future ahead. Momoa gets him off to a very good start. I also like Jason Bardem as Stilgar, and Zendaya was stirring as Chani, even in the short time she was on the screen. Oscar Isaac, who was powerful in Scenes of a Marriage, delivered the same as Duke Leto in Dune. I first saw Rebecca Ferguson in Reminiscence earlier this year, and I was struck by her performance in that movie. She was fine in the crucial role of Lady Jessica in Dune. And I thought I saw some cheap shot at Timothy Chalamet in some review I glanced at and didn't read. He was fine in the even more important pivotal role of Paul. I'm looking forward to seeing him with blue eyes. Now that will happen in part two of Dune, when with any luck we'll also meet Alia. Maybe see what happened to Duncan Idaho. And also see more of the Bene Gesserit. By the way, I'm not sure if that's pronounced Bene Gesserit or Gesserit. So be my guest. You pronounce it any way you like. We should also be meeting the Emperor. And who knows who and what else. And I'll, of course, be back here when that movie is released. I'll be back here with another review. The Light on Light Through podcast. Well, I hope you enjoyed that little review of that great first part of the Dune movie. Now, to get back to this being the 200th episode of Light on Light Through, let me just explain. I started doing this in 2006. I was very eager for the first few years. I did sometimes three or four episodes a month. So I got to the 100th episode pretty soon. But then you know how it is. One thing or another took precedence. I continued doing the podcast, but there were many years when I didn't do more than maybe four or five episodes per year. But I guess one of the beneficial side effects of the pandemic was I had more time to get back to podcasting. And so Pretty much in the summer of 2020, in the depth of the lockdown, I began doing podcasts more frequently. And so we got to 200 much more quickly than I would have expected a few years ago. And as I said, uh, many of you have sent in your congratulations. I'm going to play some of them now for you. And uh, these are still coming in, so I'll probably be sprinkling the next few episodes of Light On, Light Through with some more congratulations. But thank you, everyone. Congratulations to my friend Paul Levinson on the occasion of the 200th episode of his Light On, Light Through podcast from Captain Phil and Captain Phil's Planet. Thank you so much, Paul, for being a guest on my show, Alternate Thursdays on WUSB Stony Brook Radio, 
and helping me look smart. One word of advice, Paul, more cowbell. Hello, Paul. This is Andrei Mir, your colleague in media ecology and a friend, if I may. Happy anniversary to your podcast. 200 episodes, it's quite a mark to celebrate. I like Light on Light True, and not only because of your expertise on media or that you sometimes kindly mention my book, Post-Journalism, but also for your reviews of sci-fi movies. For example, I have recently discovered Foundation and watched it thanks to your review. So keep going. And may the next 200 episodes take in not only my next books, but also the tons of amazing reviews and observations. Hi, Paul. This is Dr. Howard Margolin from Destiny's The Voice of Science Fiction on the air Fridays at 11.30 p.m. on WUSB 90.1 FM, Stony Brook, New York, and archived at captivillonline.com. As someone who's been doing science fiction radio since 1984, I'm saying mazel tov to you on your 200th episode of Light on Light Through and wishing you many more years and the best of all possible destinies. Hey, Paul. Congrats on episode number 200 of Light on Light. I've only listened to the last few on the Foundation TV series, so it's nice knowing there's a ton of great content available that I still haven't gotten to. Here's hoping you do hundreds more. I'm also totally honored that you're a fan of my own podcast on the Foundation source material, Selden Crisis. I'll try to match the quality and passion you put into your work as I continue to explore Isaac Asimov's timeless classic, Ad Astra. Hi, this is Bob Mann, host of the Hot Media Podcast, congratulating my friend Paul Levinson on the 200th episode of his podcast, Light On, Light Through. Paul has been one of my favorite guests for the past 15 years on satellite radio and my podcast. He can talk as an expert on just about anything, from the deadly serious to the very silly. So, Paul, I look forward to our next interview coming up very soon. And once again, congratulations on number 200. Help me, Paul Levinson. You're my only hope. Well, thanks again for those great congratulations, Captain Phil. And he, by the way, was good enough to play a little music from my Welcome Up album. The cowbells he was talking about are in the song Samantha. You can listen to the whole song on Spotify, Apple Music, any place that you listen to this podcast. Thanks, Andre Mir, for that great congratulations. And he uh, wrote a great book, Post-Journalism. He's one of the rising stars in media theory. Hey, thank you, Howard Margolin, for a really nice congratulations. He has the longest-running radio science fiction show. It is a great, great show. Thank you, Joel McKinnon, who I just got to know recently listening to his superb podcast, Selden Crisis, which obviously is about the Foundation series. And thank you, Bob Mann. I'll actually be doing, he'll be interviewing me. I was going to be, I was going to say I'll be doing an interview, but he'll be interviewing me this Monday. I guess I shouldn't say what it is. We don't want to give it away yet, Bob, do we? But that probably will then be up on his podcast, Hot Media, the end of 
next week. So I'll be back here pretty soon with another review. There's another science fiction series up on Apple TV, Invasion. I've begun to watch it, and I'll be back here soon with a review of the first three episodes, which are now up on Apple TV+. And, of course, I'll also be back here with my review of each and every episode of the Foundation series. So, and who knows what else might come up in this week ahead. So, in the meantime, stay safe, stay well, and enjoy. I traveled 2,500 years back in time to ancient Athens to save Socrates from certain death, and now he doesn't want to come back with me. Oi, I'm gonna plot! All this and more in Paul Levinson's The Plots to Save Socrates. AD. She ripped the paper in half, then ripped the halves, then ripped what was left, again, into bits and pieces of history that could have been. Sierra Waters had read once that, years ago, it was thought that men made love for the thrill, while women made love for the sense of connection it gave them. Curled up with a good book says, Sierra Waters is sexy as hell. You can find out more about The Plot to Save Socrates by Paul Levinson at theplottosavesocrates.com. Paul Levinson still codes about an ancient biotech war raging on in secret for centuries.